We are in a series of messages right now called Faith and Feelings, and what we have been learning is that our emotions matter, that our emotions make a huge impact in life. They can either be something that help us fulfill our purpose when we live out the emotion of love, or we also know that they can get in the way by keeping us from doing that very thing. In fact, many times our unhealthy emotions stand in the way of us fulfilling our, pro- our purpose of bringing positive change into the world. So we've been learning about these emotions and how it is that we can overcome them in order for us to be able to spread the good news of Jesus to other people. Today we're going to be learning about bitterness. Doesn't it just make you happy just hearing that word, bitterness? And I think all of us at one time in our lives have struggled with it. Maybe a little bit or maybe a lot, I don't know. But we need to be able uh, to defeat it. The reason why is, you know, there, like last week we talked about anxiousness. And anxiousness has a lot to do, all of it has to do with ourselves. But anxiousness is something that is very directed to us. And we feel the anxiety of life. Bitterness is often directed, is directed toward other people. And it brings a tremendous negative effect on those people around us. Bitterness can spread. And that's why it's important for us to stop it in its track. We can be bitter or we can be better. Did that sound like a preacher right there or what? So today we're going to learn about how to, how to be better. Do you struggle with bitterness? And if you do, what is it that's causing you uh, to have that emotion? that emotion of bitterness. We know this, that bitterness has to do with our past, that we look at things that have happened to us and we can't get over them. And it's usually because of some behavior of other person that's affected us in a very negative way. And because of that, we're stuck. We're stuck in the pain that we experience because of their behavior. We're stuck in it. We keep thinking about it, and we are angry at them, and we can't get over it. And because of that, we want to bring harm to those people who've caused us problems in life. It's a big issue for us because if we're bitter, we don't move forward. We stay where we are because we can't get past the past. It's important for us to be able to get over it. Otherwise, life is miserable. I have never met a happy, bitter person. Have you? I just haven't. And it's just ruining everything for us. It's ruining the joy that God wants for us. The Bible has a lot to say about bitterness. There was a guy named Paul. Paul was an apostle who shared the message of Jesus uh, from city to city. And there was a church in a place called Ephesus. And that church was no different from us. It had people in it. And people have different problems. And obviously they were going through some challenges themselves. So much so that Paul would write a letter to them about some of the things that they were facing. And as I read the scripture, you're going to hear about those issues, the same ones that we go through even today. And I really believe they must have been struggling with them for Paul to have taken the time to to, to write a letter that included this instruction about these things. So I want you to listen to what he wrote. It's found in Ephesians 4. We begin reading in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Listen to this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. 
Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. For some reason, he felt the need to write this. And I think any person in any church would feel the need to write this. Because we all go through this. And we know the damage that can happen within a church because of this, but the damage that can happen in the world because we're to be the light to the world. And if this is controlling us, it's keeping us, again, for living out that loving purpose that God has for us. What is bitterness? Let me give you a definition on your outline sheet. You see it. It says this, a feeling of antagonism, hostility, or resentfulness antagonism, hostility, or resentfulness. I'll give you a second definition. Uh, it's not on your outline sheet, and you're probably thinking, what in the world does this even have to do with this? But the word bitter also means this. It's a harsh taste as of one of the four basic taste sensations, right? Bitter, sweet, all of those things. Why, are you, why am I saying that? It's because when we feel bitterness, it leaves a bitter taste in our mouth. Does it not? We have this bitter taste in our mouth. So today, my friends, we need some mouthwash. Aren't you glad you came here again today, right? Can be better or bitter. Now we need mouthwash. But we're going to give you some spiritual things that can clean things up today. And I really believe they can change. They can change who we are. In the definition that I gave you that you see on your sheet, it talked about antagonism, which antagonism is basically, basically a desire that we have to bring harm to other people. It talks about hostility. And hostility is that feeling of deep anger. And, and basically rage toward other people. And then we see another word, and it's the word resentfulness. Bitterness and being resentful toward people go together. Max Lucado, who is a famous speaker and author, a believer, he wrote this, that resentment is when you let your hurt become hate. So we're hurt from other people because of what they've done. Resentment is when you allow what is eating you to eat you up. Resentment is when you poke, stoke, feed, and fan the fire, stirring the flames and reliving the pain. Resentment is the deliberate decision to nurse the offense until it becomes a black, furry, growing grudge. Bitterness and grudging are connected. Actually, bitterness is the battle of the grudge. Because it's easy for us to hold things against other people. And Locato did a great job of bringing the attention to it. We kept replaying it over and over and over again. And it causes this feeling to grow and grow and grow within us. Well, we need to overcome it. How do we know we have it? Well, let's look at some indicators. I shared with you last week that our lives are made up of five primary parts and I want to share with you how bitterness reveals itself in each of these. The first one is our emotional life itself. So let's take a look at that. And we see how uh, we notice it with our emotions. That we respond with rage and anger. So when I'm emotional, when I have bitterness, I have these other two emotions. Anger and rage are actually emotions. I've also talked about the three primary emotions that we have. Anger, fear... Uh, which anxiety comes from, anger, fear, and love. Love is the positive emotion. Bitterness and anger go together. It's cool to me when we looked at the scripture in Ephesians 4, in verse 31, it said this, get rid of all bitterness, and then it listed rage and anger. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. 
Anger is that feeling that we have, again, of harm toward others. Rage is that desire, that hostility that comes within us. Often we think about rage as an action, but we hear this, they acted out of rage. It's that feeling that we have. So when we're in this emotional condition, we're just in a constant state of anger. They're just such angry people. Why are they so angry? Because they're bitter about something that's happened in their life. Because of some event that's gone on, it's caused that to, to just well up within them, and they're just feeding the flame. So our emotional life. Let's look at another. Our mental life. It's how we think. So how we feel emotional, how we think is mental. We become hypercritical of other people. We complain about them. And we concentrate our attention on the past. So we become hypercritical of people. If someone's hurt us, we are completely, constantly critical of that person. Just constantly. As a matter of fact, if there are other people who are associated with the person who's hurt us, we'll project their behavior on the other person and become hypercritical of that person too. Because we feel like, well, they must be the same. So we become hypercritical of the other person. We complain. We're constantly complaining about life. The people who are complainers are bitter people. I love what uh, it says in Job. Job made this statement. I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint. This is a really happy dude, don't you think? I loathe my very life. I'll give reign to my complaint. Job, I don't know if you know the story about Job, but Job, Job was this righteous guy, had a good family, all this stuff. And because he was righteous, Satan wanted to prove to God that he has power over God. So God says, hey, there's Job. He's a righteous dude. And Satan wanted to attack him to see if he can get him to turn away from God. So God allowed all the, Satan to do all these terrible things to him, all these terrible things to him. In the end, he remained righteous. But in the process, he loathed his very life. Therefore, he gave complaint Gave rain to complaint. Things weren't going well for him, so he complained about it. He kept talking about it. We keep talking about it because we put our attention on those problems in that way. And we keep living in the past. Mentally, I keep thinking about the past. Now, all this is about mental. Mentally, I'm thinking about how terrible this person is, so I'm hypercritical. Mentally, things are bad in my life, so I'm going to complain. That's what I'm thinking about. Mentally, I can't get over what someone else has done to me. And I think about it over and over again. And it brings this out of my mind. All because of what I'm thinking. Let's look at another one. Our social life. How does it affect our interactions with each other? We curse others, seek revenge, envy, and are happy when others fall or when others fail. The Bible says something about each one of these things. That we curse others. Listen to what uh, we read over in the book, again, in Ephesians 4.19, scripture that we read at the beginning. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Don't curse people, right? But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So instead of cursing, we're supposed to be saying things that build up, but we say unwholesome things. It talked about revenge. In fact, our saying things toward other people is a, a sign that we want to enact revenge. This is what it said in Leviticus 19, 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge. Here we go again, the battle of the grudge, bitterness, against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. 
So you shouldn't be after them to hurt them. You should be understanding them to help them, to love on them, because that's what brings positive change. We also, we want other people to fail. In Proverbs 24, 17, listen to what it says. Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. You're thinking, how terrible is that? I've done it. Have you not? Seriously? I mean, people that you don't like or people that something bad happens is like, oh, God, get them. That's what I'm thinking. I'm a righteous person. Remember that today. I'm a righteous person. That's not right. That's not good thinking. But you celebrate when other people fall or fail. Sometimes they don't even really do any bad things. They're just more successful than you are, and you measure your life against them. And it really feels really good when they do something bad to make them look bad and fall so you can get more attention and go up because you're bitter toward their success. It's crazy, right? But this is what we do. It all comes from bitterness. We should always want people to succeed and always celebrate when they become better. Do y'all hear that? We should celebrate everyone's success, and we should want and desire everyone to get better. Bitterness stands in the way of both. So what happens? Physical life. So we're talking about our emotional life, our mental life, our social life. All those things I just talked about tear relationships apart. We say bad things to other people. We want revenge against other people. We're happy when they fail. Relationships fall apart. The physical life. We experience headaches, ulcers, sleeplessness, Heart attacks, anxiety, fear, tension, and depression. That sounds wonderful. So we look in the scripture, you're thinking, Tim, where does it say all that? Here's one verse that really sums it all up, okay? In Proverbs 14:30, Solomon, the wisest guy in the Bible, right? This is what he said: A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Y'all, bone rot is never a good thing. There are many things that rot our physical body, that hurt us in this way. This is what's so ironic to me. We're wanting to hurt other people, and through our bitterness, we're causing ourselves pain. We want to hurt them, but what we're doing is we're hurting ourselves. And we look at the core issue and the reason why what is happening to us is happening to us, and it very may find its core again in bitterness. Spirituality, our spiritual life, it's the fifth part of life. We begin disobeying God. I mean, that's what we do. James said this, James 3.16, For where you have envy, and envy often is the cause of our bitterness. We're envious of people, we're bitter toward them. Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. This is cool too. Which means, if I do something evil, bitterness is a possibility of that evil. Because it's talking about this envy and this bitterness can cause every evil thing. Again, if I'm doing something evil, bitterness could be the cause. And I need to consider it. We have to find the cause. We have to find the cause of our bitterness. It reminds me of movies where uh, there's a bomb and the bomb's about to go off and the bomb squad is called in and they go in and they're opening up the bomb and they're trying to figure out the trigger. They're trying to figure out how to defuse the trigger. Because if you don't defuse the trigger, the bomb goes off. And for many of us spiritually, we have to know that bitterness is the trigger. And because we didn't disconnect it and take care of it, a bomb has gone off in our lives. Your relationships 
have imploded. You've lost your job. You've lost this. This is happening. That's happening all because of this negative emotion. So what are some of these triggers of bitterness? Let's look at some causes on your outline sheet. We see, uh, we see some. First of all, that we don't get what we want. It's a cause of our bitterness. There's something out there that I desire. I see everybody else ha- or other people who have it. They're happy. They're joyful. I envy them because they have it, and I need that. I desire that. And if I can't get it, I become bitter over it. I'll give you an example of it. In the Old Testament, there's a lady named Hannah. Hannah could not have a child. She wanted a child, but she couldn't have a child. And this is how she responded to it. We find it in 1 Samuel 1.10. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. So she's bitter in her soul. I'm envious. All these other people have kids. I want a child. And because I can't have a child, I don't have a child I'm bitter in my spirit about it. And you know what? God very well may be the one standing in the way of me getting it. So I can be bitter toward God. I can be angry at him because of this. Because he's standing in the way of what it is that I want. Anybody who stands in the way of you getting what you want can be the target of our bitterness. So I need to look at myself and say, is that, what, is that what it is that's going on in me? Am I living to get something out of my life? Here's another cause. We focus on our problems and hardships. We look at ourselves. I've got problems. I have hardships. They don't have problems. They don't have hardships. And we get bitter because we've got all these problems. Who's causing the problems? Often we look to God, but it may be other people that are causing us these problems. We look in Lamentations. Jeremiah had this, had this going on, and he had it toward God. This is what he said. He, referring to God, has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. This is how he felt about God. Jeremiah is a really cool illustration of emotions because he really had some emotional issues. He really did. And this is one of them that, that came out of his life. This is how he felt toward him. And this is what he said. It's because of my hardship. It's because of what you're allowing in my life, God, that I'm bitter and I feel this way. You're my issue. You're the one who's causing it. We can look at at it in another way. And we can say Jeremiah had this kind of attitude. Here's the attitude. Poor, pitiful me. Right? Right? Poor, pitiful me. I have to go through this. I have to do that. I have to go through this. I have to do this. Well, there are plenty of other people who are going through the same problems that you've gone through in hardships who don't have the attitude that we have in bitterness, which means bitterness is not the only option available to us. The reason why hardships and and these difficulties are a problem is because we believe that our life only has meaning and happiness if we don't have any problems in our life. So you're living for a problem-free life. Do I have anyone in this room today who's willing to say, I've never had a problem in my life? You better not raise your hand because you're a liar if you do, okay? I'm just telling you. We all have problems. We all have them. But this is who we are. Poor, pitiful me. If you have anybody who feels that way or around anybody, you know they're bitter. And by the way, it might be you. You might be the person who is saying these things. Here's something else. We refuse to forgive others for their foolishness. Other people may have done something wrong, and it 
has had a negative effect on you. And you can't forgive them for this. You know, this, is, this, this happens all the time, too. We have a reputation. We don't want anybody to ruin our reputation. But somebody makes a decision that makes me look bad. I'm not bad. I didn't do anything wrong. But they make a decision that undermines a decision that I made. Or they, they just do something to make me look bad. And because they're making me look bad and I'm living my life for the opinion and the acceptance of other people, because they make me look bad, I am bitter toward that person because of what they did. It's all about, again, my reputation, how people see me. I'll give you an example of that. Solomon, again, talked about this. Before I read the scripture, I, I want to set it up. Because in the Old Testament, and this happens today too, y'all. I mean, it really does. But the family reputation of the people in the Old Testament was huge. Y'all, we've got so many screwed up families now, it's like, oh, forget that, right? But back then, and they had screwed up families back then as well. But back then, so much had to do with the reputation of the family. So if there's a kid who did something bad that reflects poorly on the family and the reputation of the family... Number one, they'd just kill them. Aren't you glad we don't have that anymore, right? Or they would have this angry feeling toward them of wanting to harm them in some way. Now I want you to listen to what Solomon wrote in Solomon 17.25. A foolish son brings grief to his father and bitterness to the mother who bore him. Now when you hear that scripture related to everything I just said... It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because my kid's supposed to give me and help me in my reputation, but this kid is out there doing things that are making me look bad, and the mom's like, he's making me look bad, and I'm bitter toward that person because of their behavior. It's bitterness. Or anything, it doesn't have to be a kid. I'm just using that as an example. Anyone it can be somebody in your work. It can be somebody who's a friend of yours. Anybody who does something to make you look bad. You can't get over it. This is a really hard part. The person who did something bad to you actually may have tried to make it right. And you still can't get over it. You're still bitter toward that person. Which just is a revelation even in a more powerful way, that I am living for how people see me as the sense of value in my life. That's just what you're living for. If you can't get over it and somebody's done everything they can to make things right, that's the, that is the level and the depth of bitterness that you have within you. I mean, it's deep. And, you know, it's controlling. It begins to control who we are. Okay, so what's the results of this? Let me just share with you uh, how this reveals itself. It begins with hurt. So there's a little progression I want to share with you, a progression of bitterness. It begins with hurt. I've been hurt some way by someone else. Whatever reason, um, again, my reputation's been hurt. I don't get what I want. Somebody's standing in the way of I get what I want. Anyway, I've been hurt. Somebody's done something to me that hurts me. Because they hurt me, it leads me to resent that person. That's the next thing. Uh, to rebel against that person, excuse me. That's the next thing. That hurt leads me to rebel against them. And that rebellion, which we just heard, is a, a form of resentment that we have toward them, okay? That rebellion is basically, 
I want to come against that person. I'm rebelling against that person. Whatever they're for, I'm against. So I'm hurt. I become hypercritical, rebellious toward that person, and now it leads to something else. This is the really interesting part about it. Unhealthy relationships. Fill that in. Because I'm bitter and I feel this way about that person, I want other people to feel the exact same way that I do. So I go and I find other people who feel about that person the same way I feel about it, and we become the best of friends because we have something in common, and that is a hatred or an anger towards someone else. And if we don't already have somebody who's experienced the same thing, we'll go out and gossip and say things about that other person to convince other people that that person is a terrible, terrible person. And we can become really convincing, right? And people really enjoy hearing other people talk about other people. Have you noticed that? Maybe it's just me. I've done it one time in my life. Okay. Just kidding. It's easy. It's fun to listen to people say negative things about others and to egg them on and just like, yeah, they shouldn't have done that. And you're, instead of stopping any of that and helping that person get past it, they're just supporting them. So that gossip leads other people in this unhealthy relationship to encourage the same behavior, which leads to destruction. I have just, I am trying to destroy that person. Anger, rage leads to malice and these other behaviors that Paul talked about. I am, I am acting out toward that person to destroy them. But get this, you're destroying yourself. I mean, don't you realize that? That's who you're destroying. I mean, you think that making that person pay is going to make you feel better? It doesn't. I can promise you, it doesn't. Because you still within you have the cancer of an emotion called bitterness that will not allow you to have joy in your life. It's still there. It's still a part of you. When you can celebrate the failure of someone else, and many times it's because of what we've done to bring that failure, you think we're all going to feel good. You say, well, Tim, I'm not going to act out toward people. I don't want to cause destruction in other people. I'm not the person who's going to be malice and all that. Malice and doing harmful things to other people come in different ways. We've learned this about before. There's, there are two different types of anger. We can think of it this way. There's, cold, there's hot anger and there's cold anger. Hot anger is aggressive. It's aggressive anger. Which I'll do things. I'll say things, unwholesome talk. I'll do outward things to do anything that I can do to destroy this person. And then there's cold anger. It's not aggressive. It's passive aggressive. We know we shouldn't be saying bad things in front of their face or doing those things where people will see us. So we work behind the scenes, unhealthy relationships, trying to manipulate things to bring harm to that person to destroy them. God is not about destruction. He's about construction. That's what God's about. God doesn't want to destroy a person. He wants to build a person. And the places in their structure where they're weak, he wants to bring somebody in to help build strength in that weakness. That's what he wants. The bidder can't do that. They're getting a sledgehammer and trying to knock the whole building down. 
That's exactly what's happening. I'll put it this way. Their bitterness is the bomb that goes inside their life that goes off and tries to destroy them. All because we wouldn't and refuse to deal with it. So it leads to destruction. So how, how do we overcome all this? Let me just give you some solutions. This is the mouthwash part, all right? This is that uh, the, we have this bitter taste in our mouth. because It's just life's not good. This is how we overcome it. I'll go back again to Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. And this is, it talks about the types of anger and rage. Brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Okay, we just talked about that. But it says to get rid of it. When it says to get rid of it, this is positive to me because if it says get rid of it, it must mean that I can get rid of it. What is it, though, that I need to do to get rid of my bitterness? Let's learn it. First thing is we have to be self-aware. We have to know that we have it. It says this, we need to confess to God that we are responsible for our bitterness, that I have this going on in my life. I can't fix something that I don't know that I have. When I look at my behavior and know that I'm acting out in an unhealthy way, first of all, I have to realize that. I have to ask the question of, is it me? The reason why I feel this way in my life, actually, it's two questions. Is it them that's causing me to feel this way, or is it me that's causing me to feel this way? Well, let me answer the question. It's you. It's me. Nobody causes us to feel the way we feel. We're responding to an event that's happening in our life. That might be something that's going on, but not every person responds with bitterness to those exact same things. So if I'm acting out in this way, if I'm not happy, if I have this deep emotional sense that's unhealthy in me, I need to figure out I am bitter. I have a problem. And hopefully today, God's done it with me this week, just preparing this message and already preaching to myself once this morning, revealing to me and making me self-aware of, there you go, Tim, right there. It's a bomb that's in your house that needs to be diffused. Right there. It's an easy one right there. And I need to understand what it is. So I'll just tell you one of my problems, okay? Not that you care, but I need to get it off my chest. So here's one of my, my problems. Somebody, okay, let me, let me, let me put, it, put, it, put it around. I do something, I'm imperfect. I do something to harm somebody else. And I've done it multiple times, by the way. I mean, we're just all imperfect. I've done something to harm somebody else. That, and I know that I've done it, so I do something to try to make it right. I do everything I can to try to make it right. Well, that person, and this has happened multiple times to me, even though I've tried to make it right, that person still holds that thing against me for what I did, even though I've done everything I possibly can to make it right. And I can't get over the fact that they won't forgive me. You know, this is so weird. This is so strange. I become bitter toward them because they won't forgive me. Did you hear that? I'm bitter toward that person because they will not let this go. And it begins to control my life. And what I have to realize is this. 
I am being bitter toward that person because of that. And you know what? I can't do anything else to change them or make me feel any differently toward me than I am. I cannot allow their opinion to control how I feel about myself. It's not my responsibility. I've already done my responsibility. All I can do is show love to the person that I've hurt. You see how it comes? Isn't that a sneaky way? It's a really sneaky way that Satan will do this to you. And y'all, there have been periods of my life. I can point back to periods. And I'm talking to you a day or a week. I can look back to periods, months of my life, where I have not been able to get over the fact that someone won't forgive me. And I become angry toward them because they just won't do it. And become bitter. And I can also point to you that those months of my life have been the, the least effective times of ministry that I've ever had in my life. Because I can't get over it. For whatever reason, we have to, whatever it is, that's mine, whatever it is, I have to say, that's my problem, I'm owning it, and I need to do something about it. Okay, so what do I do? Here's the seventh and second thing. To acknowledge it. I need to confess it. Confess that we're bitter. In the scripture, it says this in Proverbs, Solomon again, wise guy, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So I need to just own up to it. I know I'm this way. I real, I'm self-aware. I realize I'm this way. And now I'm going to own up to it. And I'm going to say to God, God, this is who I am. And this is what I did wrong. And it may, it may even take, it may even take me going to the person that I've had these bitter feelings toward and confessing to them that I've been bitter. It may take that. For me to be able to get over this. But here's the cool thing about it. When I confess it, when I confess it to God, I receive the mercy of God. Do you know why? Oh, I'm digging this one very good. Because God always forgives. Aren't you glad about that? If our hearts change and we go to God, He's not going to hold it against us as a grudge. He will forgive us. What else do I need to do? Here's, here's something else. Look at the next one. Uh, we rewire our minds. We put information into our minds that is true concerning our value and purpose. I, this has been a part of the solution for all the emotions that we've talked about as we've gone through the series. To rewire our mind. Here's the reason why. There's another progression. I think, I feel, I act. What I think about leads me to feel certain ways. And my feelings cause me or lead me to act out in certain ways. So if I want to change the action, I need to change the feelings. But if I want to change the feelings, I have to change the thinking. I have to change how I think about things. I need to rewire my mind. My problem is I have convinced myself in my mind that my value and my success and my happiness in life is dependent upon what people think about me, what I get from a financial perspective or a physical perspective, uh, what kind of relationship I have with other people, my position in society. I believe all of those things, which all of them are a lie. All of it's a lie. It's not the truth. So what I need to do is I need to put the truth in my mind. And as I put the truth in my mind, then I begin realizing my value is not in what happens to me. My value is what I do for good for them. That's my purpose. To show love to the world. That's my purpose. So I, how do I change this thinking? Because it's hard. It's hard to change this thinking. It's about me, me, me. The world is telling us 100% that it's about us. 
Putin right now thinks his life is going to be better if he gets Ukraine. Y'all, that's a lie from the pit of hell right there. I'm just telling you. I'm not being political. I'm just telling you. His life's not going to be better because of that. Somebody needs a relationship with God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Somebody needs to find the hope and the truth that comes through Jesus. Y'all, that'll preach in a whole nother sermon. I don't have time for it today. So anyway, what do I need to do? I need to rewire my mind. Here's how I rewire my mind. I take in new information. I need God's information. Here's a Bible right here. I need to look into God's word and to listen to what God says about what my life is about. Listen to this. It's found in Joshua 1 verse 8. It says, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Here it is. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. You know what it says in the Bible? Bible paraphrase. Love God, love others. The whole book is about that. The entire scripture is about loving God and loving others. So therefore, when I'm learning information in the Bible, that's what it's teaching me to do, to love God and love, love others. And I'm meditating on it, but I'm reading what it says. I read an amazing study this past week that has radically changed my mind. Or it's, it's given, it hadn't changed my mind, it's given really a, a backing for the belief that we have about how the scriptures can change us. Okay. Lifeway. Uh, Christian Resources put out this article about a study that's been done. And what they learned, it was all about Bible study. It's about reading the Bible. And what they learned was, is that if you read the Bible one time or two times a week, your lifestyle doesn't change. Typically, your lifestyle doesn't change. If you read the Bible three times a week, your lifestyle begins to change. There starts to be a, a little change. But get this, it's Unbelievable. If you read the Bible four times a week, your lifestyle radically changes. More days than not, you're in the scripture. Four, right? More days than not, you're in the scripture. If you read the Bible four times a week, this is what happens. Statistics teach us this. The findings include the following. Feeling lonely drops by 30% if you read the Bible four times a week. Anger issues drop 32%. Bitterness in relationships drops 40%. Y'all, that's what we've been talking about today. Alcoholism drops 57%. Sex outside of marriage drops 68%. Because I read the Bible four times a week. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. In other words, I feel like I have a strong relationship with God. I haven't felt it. Here's another one. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. And discipling others jumps 230%. Why? Because you meditated on the Word of God four times a week. So if you are serious about changing your behavior and your feeling of bitterness... You better start putting new information into your brain because that's how it's going to change. Y'all, that's, is that not strong right there or what? Makes me want to read the Bible. It's a good thing I've been doing it to you today. Okay, here's another one. Be forgiving. The last one. I've got to be forgiving. All right, this last thing and I'm done. Be forgiving. Bitterness comes from an unforgiving spirit. Therefore, 
if I want to overcome bitterness, I have to be forgiving. If someone does something, if, if someone does something to me, okay, first of all, I need to be forgiving to start off with. Especially if that person comes to me and makes, trying to make things right with me because of what they did, y'all, I need to be forgiving. Again, I need to be forgiving anyway, but I need to be forgiving of that person. This happens all the time. I just mentioned it before, how it flips on me, and it's a weird thing. This happens all the time. Somebody does something wrong, right? They'll come back and try to make things right, do everything they can, and that person refuses to forgive the other person and holds it against them in bitterness. You have to be a forgiving person if you want to overcome bitterness. In Ephesians 4.32, last passage I'll read. It talked about all this thing, right? Get rid of anger, get, get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, and then brawling and slander and all, malice and all those things. Then it teaches us how to do it. Verse 32 Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Paul said the solution to all of this is to be forgiving like Jesus was forgiving. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't hold a grudge against us because of all the bad things that we did. Because if he did, he wouldn't have been forgiving and died for any of us. Instead, he would have wiped us all out. Aren't you glad we have a forgiving God? Jesus, we need to be just like Jesus. To be forgiving of other people. And here's how we know that we're forgiving. You know, this is sweet. We are kind and we are compassionate toward people. We want the best for them. It's, it's so, again, ironic to me or just weird to me in some ways that we become so bitter toward other people because of what they did wrong. And don't you realize that we do things wrong? Do you want people to be bitter toward you? You do things wrong. I mean, I, would, I don't want people to be that way toward me. I was driving the car one day. Jennifer and I were in the car. We were in a convertible. We were on St. Pete Beach enjoying the scenery. I cut somebody off, y'all. I mean bad cut somebody off. I was looking at the scenery. I had a good excuse. All right. Terrible excuse. Well, the, I was in a convertible. So I had free reign. The guy behind us that I cut off yells at me, hey, the next time you turn, you may want to look where you're going. And it was everything that I could do to not ask, have you ever cut anybody off before? But I'm a righteous person. I didn't ask that question. But that's a good question, isn't it? If you're a driver, have you ever cut anybody off before if you're a driver? We have liars all over the place today, y'all. If you meant, if you, when you started driving as a teenager, I promise you there was a time that you cut somebody off. There's some time in your life where you did it. Yet, we don't want people to be bitter toward us. We just rather lash out toward the other person who did it. We have to be forgiving. The only way we change the world is to be like Jesus, who are kind, compassionate, forgiving, and helping the people overcome their issues and problems. Let's pray. As your head's bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to encourage you. You know if you're struggling with this or not. Uh, I know we're running out of time, y'all. I ran over a little bit. It's Cain's fault. So anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, you know what's going on in your life. 
And it's time to be self-aware. Hopefully you've revealed that today. Confess it to God and say, God, this is my bitterness. This is what I've been doing. And God, help me to change. Give me the strength, God, to change my mind, to get in your word, to have a change of heart, to be forgiving. If you need someone to pray with you, at the end of the service, back to my back, back to the back, to my right, to your left. There's a, a door with a single glass window. Somebody should be back there at the end of the service. If you need somebody to pray for, if you want to join the church, baptize, be baptized, that's a good place to go to. But if you want somebody to pray for you, please head back there. We want to encourage you. As I pray, you pray. Father, thank you for what you've taught us today. Thank you, God, for the conviction that you've brought again within me throughout this week. God, you know the struggle, the different parts of me that where this just rears its ugly head. And I, I pray, God, that you would give me strength to overcome it. God, I pray that you would be with each person here today. There be people who cut the strings. God, we know Satan is it's like a puppet, and he's controlling the strings to get us to do what he wants us to do. God, help us cut the strings and to stop living for what he says is important and to begin showing the love that you have for us by being the people who are just like you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.